Welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. I'm Nancy. And for this episode, we're going to do something a little different. Um, we kind of mentioned in our last episode that we we're going to shake things up a bit. We we're going to try a couple new things. And, um, you know, in um, the episode where we talked about the natural, I was a little harsh on Nancy. With Very harsh. Because she had not seen a few baseball movies that I could not believe she hadn't seen. So, um, with that and the upcoming All-Star break and the baseball season, um, I kind of approached Nancy and we talked about it a little bit and we had this idea to review some baseball movies. And um, this gave Nancy the opportunity to um, see these movies that she um, tragically had never seen. <laughs> it also opened it up for me to kind of revisit some of them. But um, so we decided on five movies. But talking about five movies, just the two of us, is kind of difficult. So we invited some fans of the podcast to join us. So joining us this uh, episode is Sherry. Say hi, Sherry. Hello. And Drew. Hello, hello. And um, we're going to be talking about some movies that um, all came, that we all kind of grew up watching, because that's kind of the whole deal here. They all, the, the movies range from the late 70s to the early 90s. We're kind of excited to be able to revisit these. Some of them we really liked, some of them we have other feelings about. <laughs> So, um, just to start off, we're going to talk about The Sandlot, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, A League of Their Own, and Bad News Bears. The version that came out in the 2000s? No. God, no. <laughs> no? No. Oh, wait, we watched the wrong one then. That would... Okay. Um, you're fired. <laughs> That's just terrible. No, we're going to be talking about the 1970s version of Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau. Okay. But we're going to start this discussion. Oh, and also joining us, um, much like he does when I watch baseball, is <laughs> Mulder the Podcat. There you oh, go. <laughs> he introduced himself. Thanks, Mulder. Uh-huh. Do you have any other opinions that you have about these movies? He's excited to see two extra people around the microphones. Oh, more laps to sit on. That's more. Right chairs to jump on all right so we're gonna start with the sandlot um nancy do you want to um give a brief description of the sandlot sure um so the sandlot takes place in southern california 1962 and it's about a group of preteen kids that all meet up in a sandlot which is kind of like an abandoned field over the summer to play baseball. Um, there were originally eight kids, and then little Scott Smalls moves into town, and he becomes their ninth man. There's a big dog that they deal with, and, uh, yeah, hijinks happen. takes place over summer. I mean, not a whole lot else to say as a description. <laughs> I, I think that that is a pretty fair description. I mean... It's it's their it's the summer. It's um, you know you see them go through the Fourth of July, and um, this was also a movie that um, someone um, when I posed the question on Facebook of whether this was even a baseball you know of baseball movies, they questioned whether this was even a baseball movie, hmm. which I thought was was interesting because it really is kind of a 
coming of age kind of movie where you don't just everything doesn't just revolve around baseball or them and the sandlot that you know that is a running theme throughout the whole movie yeah but it isn't necessarily the main focus there's a very famous scene with at a swimming pool with um, one of the characters and how he is in love with a lifeguard and tries to um, make moves on the lifeguard oiling and um there's a famous scene also at a at the fair when, during the 4th of July which is famous because it's uh, of its grotesqueness right. where the uh kids decided to try chewing tobacco and then go on was it like the gravitron or one of those yeah. it's it's the gravitron yeah. right and all end up getting sick, and it and it's not. It's really gross. It's really gross. It's as if Sam Raimi directed a vomit scene. <laughs> a- absolutely <laughs> no. It's 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 gross. It's a fun movie, and it's a baseball movie in my eyes, only because they talk a lot about the history of baseball. Yes. One of the main the main character that is narrating the whole story that you're following along, and who's like the new kid on the block, knows nothing about baseball. He doesn't know who Babe Ruth is. He doesn't know what position to play. He doesn't know how to throw a ball. Mm-mm. He knows nothing. That so. was something I wrote down was, I mean, <coughs> what is he, like nine? No, no. I so. think they're all about 11. Oh, he, man, he's probably 11 or 12. He's entering fifth grade. Yeah. Doesn't he say that? Okay, so he's, he's probably nine or ten. How, do you, how does he not know how to throw? Well, they do establish <laughs> that his biological father had passed yeah. away and he has Dennis Leary for a stepdad. And it seems like the relationship with his stepdad is really cold or distant. But then again, you know, this takes place in the 60s. And I don't know about you, but every version of 60s dads, like I'm thinking of Wonder Years also, the dads are kind of cold and unapproachable and it makes sense that he didn't have this let's go throw the ball around kind of relationship with his I I understand that but like Drew said I mean it was like even at school like no they're throwing the ball well I mean I mean it's believable there's plenty of kids that just never really get to develop their athletic abilities and they kind of fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. He he was probably just getting a C, C minus in PE all those years. (laughs) You never know. When he needs to have a hat, when he needs to have a hat to play like a cap to to go out and play with the kids, it's a fishing hat. It's not even a baseball cap. Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely new to this whole thing, and all the sure. other kids really school him on it. But they also school him on, you know, the lore of the neighborhood and stuff like that. And probably the other famous thing about this movie is his whole interaction. The interaction with the Beast, which ends up just being a, a dog. That... A very large, slobbery dog. But he's a cute dog. I think he's a master. Looks like a master. He's a cute dog. He's cute. I like big dogs, though. And, you know, the dog is owned by this blind old man who ends up being, you know, a former baseball player and... and Darth Vader. Friends there. Yep, James Earl Jones. There you go. (laughs) First of two movies with him. (laughs) You know, I'm glad that I got to rewatch this movie. Um, It's not my favorite baseball movie and a lot of people really like this movie because i think more of the coming of age 
aspect of it because it's i mean if i if you're if you are the age of the kids or you're a teenager this movie is funny i mean it has that it is definitely more of a it's more of a kids movie but um i know people who grew up with it still love this movie i think it's mainly because you grew up with it yeah um yeah i mean i i saw it in the theater when it came out at least with like like with summer school or something but weren't you about the age of the kids when this movie came out or were you a little older? older? A little like older. 13, 14, I think. Yeah. It came out in 93. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, that, you know, but I've always, I've always loved it. But I'd agree that probably if I watched it now, I'm sure I would find it entertaining, but I don't know if it would have, if it would hold the same meaning for me. Well, I think that one of No. Well, I think that that's one of the things that's great about rewatching movies that you watched when you were growing up is you don't just have the. Sometimes you have that's what makes it fun for you to watch, and you could watch it over and over again because it brings you back to how you used to feel when you first watched it. So, I can understand someone who liked it when it first came out going to see it and then watching it years later and just always having that connection to it. So, I didn't see this movie in the theater the first time I saw it was on TV on cable like years after it came out. Mm. Um, I was probably in high school still, but. I didn't... That was the first time I had ever seen it. I think I saw it soon after it came out. I don't remember seeing it in the theater, but I think it was a movie I saw with my girlfriends. I think one of us had rented it and watched it, like, at a slumber party or something. Because me and my girlfriends from high school... We have a a handful of inside jokes that are about this movie, but of the four of us, I probably was the least connected to this movie. But every now and then, one of us will say something about you're killing me, Smalls, or forever. You know, we'll kind of pull one of those quotes out but this movie watching it again um it definitely has like a young adult comedy quality to it and there's a lot of physical humor in this movie which personally for me isn't really my style so it's not really it's not a movie i'm interested in re-watching for a third or fourth time i've you know watched it for this project and i'm like okay i'm good like i i definitely I know we're going to all go over what our favorite scenes from the movies, this movie is, but like for me, it is the swimming pool scene when Squints pretends to drown so the lifeguard will save him. I think that's by far the funniest scene in the movie. And, you and, know, and who's your favorite character? My favorite character, I'm not picking one. I'm going to just say okay. both Benny and Scott. I love that um, Benny really took Scott under his wing, and I do like, I think Scott is very sweet and really wants to fit in and is doing what he can to fit in. And I respect that a lot. And I, I, I think that's, I think it's just really, I felt a lot of empathy for him. He is kind of the moral compass too. Yeah. And he's a narrator. <laughs> so, I mean, the story's from his point of view, so it's, you know, easy to kind of be drawn to him. What other scenes did people like? I actually always, I mean, I love a lot of scenes since I love this movie. Um, probably the most out of the three, I mean, four of us. My favorite scene is when they're playing um, at night with the fireworks. I've always really liked that scene. I think it's nice. So. And who's your favorite character? Squints. You like Squints? Mm-hmm. Do you like his whole kind of ploy to try and make <laughs> out with his dream girl? Well, to, to sexually assault right, a lifeguard. I know. <clears throat> yeah, that part is... is I, I personally <laughs> liked that... In 1993, they were smart enough to have the narrator not once but twice make sure you know that it was okay. 
Because right. right after, they're like, and every time he walked by, she would smile at him. And then at the end, they're like, and Squint's married her. They had nine children. Yeah, they kids. So don't feel bad that he totally conned her into kissing him. I know. It's totally... Uh, Drew, who's your not favorite good. character in this, this, in this movie? This was rough, man. <laughs> uh, I couldn't come up with one until the end, and by default, I went with Mr. Myrtle, James Earl Jones. <laughs> Excellent choice. Because I was just like, cool. He he knew George, Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then his story about going blind is just mm-hmm. kind of sad. So, yeah, he was the only character that didn't seem like a caricature mm-hmm. in the film to yeah me. yeah so he he was probably the most real character and and i like he has one of the best lines in the movie because they're all afraid to like go and get the ball and he's yeah. like why didn't you just come home and knock on the door yeah. and i would have gotten it for you <laughs> well and it's also nice that they feel indebted to him and the only payment he wants is he's just like just come talk baseball with me mm-hmm. yeah right because yeah. he's he so just loves the guy, and that's that's it. Yeah. What about you, Matt? My favorite character is Porter, the, the catcher. <laughs> He's uh, oh, for, the great ban- the great the, Hambino. Yeah, um, I like him for a couple reasons. Um, one, he also is he's also the the main character in one of my favorite scenes when. He's when the little league team comes to the Sandlot on all their bikes to start shit with them, and then he's like the number one mouthpiece to like start to to like give them shit. Mm-hmm. And then when they decide to have a game, I love the banter he has as oh, the yeah. catcher, where he's that trying to good. when he's trying to like take them out out of the game, like while they're batting, and he's talking about like their moms and is all that your sister in the outfield naked. she's naked <laughs> <laughs> didn't wasn't his I, uh, final insult you play ball like a girl yeah yeah something like that that's not really that, I've always thought that that kid well when I was younger I thought he was so cute the head like jerk guy <laughs> oh on the other team you mean from the not Porter <laughs> no 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 the other reason why I like Porter is totally unrelated to this movie. He, Love son-in-law. Let me guess. No, no he was in no, an X Files episode. In a, he's in one of the best episodes of X Files <laughs> called Bad Blood. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And if you ask Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny, they also say that's their favorite episode. Mm. So um, that was pretty good. I think that's one of the other things that he has been in, and with the exception of Dennis Leary and Scott's mom. I don't think any of the other act like child actors, huh? Marion Raywood. Yeah. Yes, Marion Raywood. Indiana Jones. Totally forgot was in this yeah. movie. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. When um, I saw, I was so excited. I was like, it's Karen well, I saw her and I was like, what has she been in? Because I didn't recognize her. But um, but other than that, I don't think any really? of the other kids have done anything acting wise other than Squints is uh, in Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. You're right. He yes. plays the bully, the yes. bully who becomes a friend, a friend mm-hmm. at the very en- at the mm-hmm. end of that show. Yep. Yep. Does he make out with a lifeguard in Freaks and Geeks too? No. He Great show. Sure he doesn't make out with. But he does. But he. Oh. Did, but he does eventually tell them that he likes like Star Trek and stuff and wants to go to and is just likes the same stuff that they do. But mm. he just has to be a bully about it. You, Which you could see Squints growing up to be that kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you are. Uh, you were saying something earlier. First off, I want to bring up 93, it's prime Dennis Leary. During the catch scene, 
didn't it seem like he just wanted to light a cigarette and just start screaming <laughs> profanity at <laughs> the, the, the first catch scene. Yes, the first yes. catch scene. Yes. Like, he just looks so annoyed. Like, you don't know... what? How do you not know yeah. what you're doing? <laughs> My favorite scene, and I did not even remember this, is when they do the origin of the beast and it goes to black and white. Oh, and yeah. And the size of it is completely exaggerated. <laughs> And it looked like something that would be in, like, an early 80s, mid-80s Tim Burton film. Yeah. And it completely caught me off guard. Like, the whole rest of the movie just looks like a cheesy early 90s, heavily influenced by Spielberg, like, glossy film. And then all of a sudden it just goes to this weird, bizarre, like, everything's smoky. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. Because it's nothing like the rest of the film. That scene is great. There's something that this movie has in it that drives me crazy. And it's really dumb. I mean, this is like... A side talker? This is... No, it doesn't have a side talker. Although Squints is kind of a side talker. But different from the side talkers that I get annoyed at. At the end, when they're doing like... When they're giving like the little brief like flash forward to... Well, how what happened to all the kids as they left the oh, Sandlot? It, it has the Dodgers. Well, there's that, which is complete, uh, completely annoying, and unfortunately, lots of movies have that because it's L.A. No one's perfect. Anyway, um, no, they do this flash forward where they talk about the two brothers and how one became an architect and one became a went into being a contractor, and then they invented this thing called mini malls. I get really annoyed <laughs> when movies make up false history. Ooh. Like I know. Like making post-it notes, like inventing post-it notes. No, that was done for a purpose <laughs> I know, I know. in that movie. Like in and Romeo and Michelle got... And Romeo and Michelle got called out for but making this, up. But this yeah, whole... About but but it, watching this again brought this up to me, and I was like, God, I get so annoyed at that. And yeah, that is one of the reasons why I have such a problem with Boris Gump. Because um, of the false history it, cre- it creates. Well, that isn't spoiler trying, alert. Maybe we're going to talk about Forrest Gump in a future episode. Isn't trying to sell it like it's like it's almost like it's true. Like this is they they say it in Sandlot. That movie, like, it, Forrest Gump. Oh God, the entire go. movie is about selling like it's true. <laughs> That's the whole point of Forrest Gump. You know what part of They proposed that he taught Elvis Presley <laughs> how to dance. They proposed that he came up with the "Have a Nice Day" <laughs> smiley face I know all bumper the stickers. Because I love it's that just, movie. I don't, I mean, and and I guess the reason why it bothers me is, like, the stupidest, nitpickiest things. Like, kids are going to watch this and think that really happened. So, so Matt, did you do, like, a huge internet deep dive on mini malls after watching this movie? No, I don't give a shit, really, about that. But it's just, like, obviously those kids did not invent mini malls. You know what bothers me about that scene is when that part where they're just like, and Bertram just got lost in the 60s. Like, what is that? Like, I mean, I know what they're trying to imply. Yeah, did he, like, have some crazy LSD trip and then, like, jump off the Bay Bridge or something? Well, not the Bay like, Bridge because also, it, they're in Southern California. Like, if he's supposed to be so there's 10, no bridges down there. No, okay. it's if he's supposed to be ten, he got lost in the sixties. Like he's like eighteen and like seventy. I don't know. It just seems. Yeah. Anyway, well, my if we're gonna talk about nitpick issues about this movie, I <laughs> I overall let's didn't really like yeah, the it. narration. Um, I felt like bad they, version of the Wonder Years. Bad version of the <laughs> Wonder <laughs> Years Stand and Stamp. You, you pulled go. you pulled it out of my brain. Yes, both Stand by Me came out in the mid '80s, and of course, the Wonder Years was 
late 80s into the 90s and I felt like this movie was really trying to copy the style of both of those movies and you know as he's talking about the kids and their future updates how they like disappear into thin air while they're you know in their positions but yeah exactly Stand By Me yeah you know because I loved both The Wonder Years and Stand By Me so to see this kind of be a eh kind of wow and you know and in Stand By Me they wasn't like his brother a baseball player. Which brother? Or was he a football player? The uh, Will Wheaton's older brother, played by John, John Cusack. Cusack. Yes, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if he yeah, was I a. Can't well, I know we, he was we may athlete. talk about Stand by Me in a future. Episode. I know he was an athlete. All yeah. right. Anyways, but yeah, so so we all have a few issues with some of the style choices that were used I, for Stan, for Sandlot. I have two things that I will say really quick that I also thought about as well one at the end how does he still have that hat in that good of shape the fish when hat he's narrating the fishing hat yeah. when he's the when he's oh, the he's, terrible he's, radio <laughs> announcer oh, yeah. the just, Dodgers who just stands up turns his back to the microphone yeah, as weird. he's announcing the home run yeah, right weird. but also in my more enlightened state than I was when I was like 14 when I used to you know watch it although I have watched it since how did James Earl Jones play with Babe Ruth during that time, like, he wouldn't be able to play with Babe Ruth, like, unless they, we're supposed to assume that he's, like, actually white. Oh, because of the Negro Leagues. Like, it seems... Well, they just say he knew him. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think he actually said he played with him. But he has on, like, a uniform in that picture, like... Well, he could have been in the Negro Leagues. Well, sure. That's what I thought. That's what I was, like, wondering. That is interesting, "Hmm." though. I didn't think of that while watching it. I forget what uniform I thought he had on. It could be, like, what John McGraw tried to do. John McGraw, uh-huh. one of the greatest Giants yes. managers ever. Yes. Um, it could have been like what he tried to do where he, he act in the early 1900s, actually tried to have two African-American players on yes. the team yes, and said they were Cuban mm-hmm. because yep. Cubans were right. allowed to play, right. but black people weren't. So I just, I found that, I thought about that too. Cause, okay. Which I think that, that scene is so nice too. All right. Well, does anyone have any final thoughts about Sandlot before we move on to our next movie? Two thumbs down. You just—that's my final thought. <laughs> not, not your favorite, huh? Not my favorite. When did you first see Sandlot? I saw it in the theater, and I loved it. And I loved it as a twelve-year-old. Wow, twelve-year-old Drew doesn't have the same taste as grown-up Drew. No, not at all. Do you think it's? Do you think it just hasn't aged well for you, or did you did you not, or have you just like grown beyond it? I believe that when you're a kid, like you don't pay attention to like directorial choices, uh, quality of acting, uh, <laughs> quality of screenplay, like You're any of that stuff. Sinious, sinious and also, said, like, yeah. you haven't seen better versions of the film. Like, I hadn't seen Stand By Me when I saw Sandlot. Mm. Oh, okay. Before. So there's nothing to compare it to, to be like, oh, this is clearly inferior to anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I while while looking up this movie, I did find it telling that the only thing this director ever directed after this is Sandlot sequels and Beethoven's second and Beethoven's third. Okay. That makes sense. That makes they, total sense. Because of the dog. Like yeah. he, he, he likes dog comedy. Yeah. So I'm not the only one who thought this guy was a hack director. <laughs> I would <laughs> That's the genre, I, dog comedy. Hack director. Dog comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just just as a note, Drew just mentioned the sequels. I looked this up. 
Sandlot 2, which came out... Like, Electric tw- Boogaloo? Which came, it, it might as well be called that, but it's the exact same movie, mm-hmm. just with different kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Is that the one that's it, all girls? No. No, that's No. That's what I mean. There's a before. Sandlot 2 that is basically the same movie. They just have... It just takes place in the 70s. <laughs> oh, it's different kids, but it's a, it's the same. One of the kids is a girl. Um, there's a couple other girls in it, which makes it, you know, trying to switch it up a little bit. But James Earl Jones does reprise his role oh. as Mr. Burl. Oh. The third sequel isn't even... It's not called Sandlot 3. It's called Sandlot... Sandlot um, coming home or something like that one of the people actually goes back in time and it's a <laughs> traveling the, movie. Nuh-uh. no Whoa, I'm that's, in. that's the one he forgot I to mention to in the new Avengers that. movie maybe <laughs> hot tub time machine Sandlot 3 <laughs> I, w- I think I'll watch Sandlot 3 have fun I'm, wasting your time when I, when I got directors. it <laughs> when I got it for two dollars on Voodoo it was all three of them was like it was like a nice package, so for the sandlot we can check it out yes we well, can we'll, check it out we can give everyone a full update <laughs> later Ooh, they are dying to know all right so batting second in our movie rundown here is going to be field of dreams matt why don't you give us a little summary so field of dreams um which was news to me is based on a book called shoeless joe in this movie is about it stars kevin costner and he hears voices that tell him to build a baseball field in his cornfield in Iowa, which then eventually ghosts of baseball players past come to the field and play baseball, which ends up being this whole kind of life lesson kind of thing for him to reconnect with his deceased father. And... um which is the most, which is like the easiest way for me to describe this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And um, it's it's obviously a lot more in depth than that. But one of the fun things for me watching this movie is the baseball history it talks about. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it, it, you know, they're not basing this off of any, you know, made up history, <laughs> false history, like. Who invented mini malls? Who invented mini malls? All the players in it that they talk about are real, which is which is fun. And the main baseball player that comes back is Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was banned from baseball after him and the other players players on the White Sox team that um, he they threw the World Series the year, and uh, they were all banned from baseball. Mm-hmm. So he kind of comes back as, like, the first ghost to meet with Ray, Kevin Costner's character, and kind of sends Kevin Costner on his journey to kind of, as um, one of the other characters in the movie, James James Earl Jones' character, Terrence Mann, tells him it's serving penance for all the, the bad things he said to his dad that he never got to, you know, apologize for. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies I never saw it in the theater. I just watched it for the first time on TV, like years after it had come out on cable or something. And um, I never really liked it at first. It wasn't until I got older to where I appreciated it more. I'm just going to, I'll just start it off by saying, or continue saying this. Probably my favorite character in this movie is James Earl Jones' character. 
And just because of how he treats Kevin Costner <laughs> when he first meets him is just hilarious. And, and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with him. He, you know, Kevin Costner goes to meet him to help him on his, you know, figure out why the hell he had to build this cornfield. James Earl Jones just doesn't want to have anything to do with him until he has to get basically kidnapped by Kevin Costner to, to bring him to this game, you know, to a baseball game and hopefully figure out why the hell he's doing this. Anyone else agree? James Earl Jones? He's my favorite character. He's the one I wrote down to. My favorite character and my favorite scene is when Ray quotes from his book and James Earl Jones grabs the, like, like, the, oh, oh, you're, you're from, you're from, from the, the 60s. 60s. Be gone. Be gone. <laughs> that, that is the scene I wrote down. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. So, like, every, so you guys have the same favorite scene, yeah. and is James Earl Jones your favorite character, yeah. too? Okay, all four of us agree. James Earl Jones. That's the only good scene and character in the movie. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, but he is my, he's my favorite character also. But but one of the... I, I, would, I would just say that... I think that one of the reasons why this is a baseball movie, and other than the fact that it has baseball in it, is it really plays on the history of the game in a different way. It's not a period piece where it's filming in that that time mm-hmm. frame. It takes place in modern day. Mm-hmm. But baseball, the sport, is so is so focused on its history mm-hmm. and statistics and all these different things about you know, records and and all that. And it really kind of plays on that. So if you are a baseball fan like I am, it's fun hearing all these stories about the players and Mm -hmm. then hearing all these statistics. And then they, you know, at near the end of the movie, they pick up a, a player and they tell this whole story about this former Giants player who only got to play in an inning and never had an at bat and then just quit and became a doctor and saved all these kids' lives. And all of that is true. That all really happened. It's not just made up for this movie. I kind of think it's interesting how they're playing on the history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, as a baseball fan, I really liked that part of it. Mm -hmm. So then there's a near at the end of the movie, there's a the, the other great James Earl Jones scene is when he gives this monologue about why this field is important and how they can get all these people to come, you know. The, the importance of the field is people will be able to like come to this field and see all these players that they grew up watching and remember what their life like was when they were kids and how their what their dreams were and how it'll take them back to rem- to remembering like their purpose in life. He really gives you the I mean you get the feeling kind of watching it but it can get very cheesy at times so like him that monologue is like really brings you can you feel like why like you know right he brings it together and and I think and it's not. Again, it's not the greatest baseball movie, but I, as a baseball fan, I, I really attach to that part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite scene in the movie is the end, when he realizes you know, one of the players on the field is his ghost dad, and that he and his ghost dad are able to play... Not- not Bill Cosby, the ghost dad, right? No. No. No, um, no his, his dad. Um, they're able to um, play a game of catch. And, you know, I, I didn't realize... So cute. I hadn't seen this movie until the last couple weeks as part of this assignment. That was one of the movies that I harassed her about. Endlessly. Um, yes. Because you and, didn't see it. Correct. Now you have. 
Yes. Now, kudos to you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize how emotional this movie was going to be. I mean, seeing all these baseball player ghosts basically getting to kind of be in a heaven like place that he created you know this baseball field became like this heaven for these baseball ghosts and and the idea that you have to be able you have to believe in it to see it you know because one of the characters in the movie um kevin costner's brother-in-law doesn't see these players but kevin costner his wife james earl jones and their daughter they all see the players clear as day but they believe in it and once you kind of open your mind to that possibility, it's like, oh, here they are. So once one of the characters did something kind of miraculous, then the brother-in-law finally got on board, and then well, he one, was finally... Once the brother-in-law <clears throat> almost kills yes. his niece, yes. Yes. and then an well. elderly doctor appears out of nowhere <laughs> to save her, yes. then he suddenly can see young Shoeless Joe. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly what happens. Um, so then totally the realistic. <laughs> so so you know in the movie after after Kevin Costner and his dad start tossing the ball around, you know the cameras pan out and you see the long 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 train of headlights where all these people are gonna show up. You know if you build it, they will come. And Music swells. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spielbergization. Yeah, I mean, it was very emotional. I mean, I was, I was very weepy that last ten minutes of the movie. How soon will I watch this movie again? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know if I need to watch it anytime soon again. I remembered the scene, the like, Dad, you want to have a catch, or yeah. can we have a catch? Whatever. Yeah. Going into watching this, I was fully expecting. To lose it during that scene and I did not because the dad has no idea who the fuck he is <laughs> very, very true. he has never had a son at that age he's introduced to him and he's like hey I'm Ray I'm just some dude named Ray and this is my wife and this is my kid and he's like hey cool man yeah Shame I'll hang out Ray. with you Ray let's hang out and then just out of the blue he just goes hey dad wanna have a catch why does he start crying? It's a, it's a stranger. He should be like, why did you just call me dad? Well, the dad... You're older than me. <laughs> I think for Kevin Costner, though, it's, it's emotional for him. It's emotional for him, but the dad starts tearing up, too. Well... We don't know how ghosts work. We don't know how <laughs> ghosts work. That's true. That's Go, true. Yeah. Are you a supernatural paranormal investigator? No. No. You probably wouldn't see the field. You, or no, you'd literally see the field. You probably wouldn't see the baseball players on this field. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Did you say when you first saw it? Uh, I, I didn't see it in the theater. I probably saw it within like, you know, back then it took a year or so mm-hmm. to come out on VHS. So I know as soon as it showed up at Blockbuster. So you saw like, it as a kid? Yeah. I think I remember mom and dad seeing this and dad like hating this movie <laughs> yeah, I don't remember him liking it I don't it. remember him liking it at all I don't remember I'm ever sure being on at the house I'm sure he'll correct later but I um, think he likes it now though I don't know I could see him not liking it I think I think that there's a lot of like this is the this is the second of the 
three to come out of the Kevin Costner trilogy of baseball movies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you do not like Kevin Costner, those are three movies you will not like. Um, I don't know Dad's real feelings about Kevin Costner. Is the third one Waterworld? No. No. Oh, yeah, Perfect Game. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. Which is... That that would fall under that movie's not bad as well probably mm. too. I actually think I might like it better than Field of Dreams. Did you just watch Field of oh, Dreams for the first time? Also, Sherry? No, I uh, the first time I saw Field of Dreams was in 2011. We were packing to go to Yosemite as a family. I was watch. I had never seen it, and Matt was like, "You should watch it. You know, you might. You know, you like the history part of it as a baseball fan." So I had it on, and the Giants game was on in the other room. And it was the night that uh, Scott Cousins decided he was going to barrel into Buster and break his ankle. Whoa. I was in the middle of watching that, and that happened. So You had two reasons to cry that night. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's bad. I, but, I, uh, that was the first wow. time I saw it. So it was... It was yeah. yeah. May 2011. Mm-hmm. The, thing, the thing that surprised me watching it this time, because I only saw it once before, is I thought there was like a slow build to the voice... And like building no. the yeah, field. Yeah, I thought so too. No, it's immediate. I, the it very is. first yeah. line of dialogue that's not his narration is the voiceover, and it's like four minutes in, and I was like, "What?" And then the field immediately gets built. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sits there dormant. Yeah, for, there's a yeah. You actually they actually do a cut scene where it's Christmas and there's snow all over yeah. the field. So he builds it one summer, and then the, like the next summer is when you actually see the ghosts. Yeah. One thing, one thing, and it's interesting that we all picked James Earl Jones and Terrence Mann as our favorite character, because apparently in the book, the reclusive author is not Terrence Mann, it's J.D. Salinger. Oh, that's Uh, interesting. Somehow the author got him to okay it for the book, but Salinger threatened to sue for the movie. Oh. So they created this character of Terrence Mann. If this had been J.D. Salinger, baseball would take a back seat in the movie because it would be like, hey, have you seen that weird movie where, like, J.D. Salinger, Salinger comes out of his reclusiveness and, like, yeah. goes on yeah. this cross-country journey oh, wow. and stuff? I think it was incredibly lucky for the filmmakers that they got threatened with the lawsuit and had to change it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's interesting. And you shared with me a, a fun fact about James Earl Jones that I didn't know earlier yeah. today. Yeah, James Earl Jones has been in three, or well, now that I know about Sandlot 2, four baseball movies. <laughs> besides uh, besides two Sandlot movies, Field of Dreams, he was also in one in 1976 where he was a Negro League player. But uh, he hates baseball. <laughs> he doesn't like baseball. No. Maybe he, maybe hate is a strong word, but he's not a fan of baseball. Kind of so funny. it's funny that he's Does been he in like these golf? movies. Um, <laughs> maybe he maybe he likes fencing, oh. lightsaber fencing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my favorite scene is when Annie yells at that lady in the community meeting and calls her. A, what does she say? Nazi. A book burning for Nazi wanting, goes, for wanting to ban Catcher in the Rye. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah. what was actually yes. happening? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that, Speaking of funny. Star Wars, though, multiple points in this movie, Kevin Costner's character just gets really fucking whiny. Yeah, he's Luke Skywalker whiny. He's a Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, it could be Luke. It could be Anakin. It could be Anakin. Yeah, yeah. But there were multiple times where I was like. 
did not remember this guy being so annoying in this movie. That is an excellent point. I also like that at the start, when he gives his, like, I told my dad off, I moved here, then I went to college in California, then I moved here. I was like, this is a good way to make it make sense to where you can never pin down Kevin Costner's accent. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, like, it's I always, lived seven different he places. He, lived in, he started like, in North Dakota, yeah. and then he went yeah. to California, then to <laughs> Iowa. Went to Berkeley. I think that we all kind of have some interesting feelings about this. The last point that on my notes here is I kind of like the music in this, like the dramatic piano that happens every time like one of the ghosts pops up. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> kind of like this. This is kind of, I mean, it's, it's almost all of the natural music, but mm-hmm. it, it's in the same realm. I don't know. Kind of liked it. I like it. I do. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it, but it is. It's definitely, it's always like, it's, it's a cheesy but I like it. All right. Next up is Bull Durham. Bull Durham, which has one of my favorite lines. I'm the player to be named later. <laughs> um, Original name of the film. Really? Yep. Nice. Bull Durham is about the Durham Bulls, and which is a minor league baseball team, which is an actual minor league baseball team. It stars, again, Kevin Costner. This was the first of the baseball movies. And Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon, where Tim Robbins is a hot shot pitcher, you know, just coming up, but he is not, he has terrible control. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just has a really strong arm. And Kevin Costner gets called up to help him, you know, straight, you know, to help straighten out Tim Robbins' character. And in the meantime, Susan Sarandon, who plays Annie, is obsessed with baseball, lives in the town, and has this, what would you call it? Is it like a, it's not, it's just kind of a game she plays, but... It's not a game. She just has... It's a project. Yeah, it's her purpose. Her purpose purpose in life is basically, is every year to find a player, hook up with them, and then they have the greatest year they've ever had. Yep. Um, so she, she mentors them too. She mentors mm-hmm. them. Mentors, yeah. she grooms, helps it's, guide them. It's like if an almost famous Penny Lane went to like local dive bars and like it is someone who played bass in <laughs> yes. the cover band. It's very yeah. similar. And then the band became famous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then they get the cover rolling. And she stone. never talked to them ever again. Yeah. yeah. After that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the whole movie is about kind of the journey of how. Nuke Lelouch, played by Tim Robbins, hooks up with Annie, Susan Sarandon, and gets better the whole, you know, throughout the year, and then eventually goes to the majors. But while this is all happening, Annie is kind of struggling because she keeps fighting off feelings that she has for Crash Davis, who is played by Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, the whole movie, is interested in Annie. He's tried to hook up with her multiple times, but it's not until the end where they finally realize that they're meant to be together. As far as this being a baseball movie, I mean, this is definitely a baseball movie. Oh, yeah. But I would say it's also kind of a rom-com. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which Nancy is very happy about (laughs) hearing. This is the one the most that you you hadn't seen. I was like, oh my God, you'll love this. Yeah. And um, 
Because it is very funny. There's and there's very funny scenes in this that have nothing to do with baseball, and some very funny scenes that have everything to do with baseball. The first time I saw this movie was probably on cable in high school, and then it wasn't until later that I saw an unedited version of this movie. Some of the classic baseball scenes in this movie is um, the team that they play for the Durham Bull, the team the Durham Bulls at this time is terrible and they keep losing, and. Um, at one point, the manager is like talking to Crash, and he's like, "Man, how do I how do I get through to these guys?" And Crash is like, "Scare them! They're all kids. <laughs> Just scare them." So he takes he takes like. 10 bats in his hand they're all in the shower and he just throws them into the shower and just starts ye- and just yells at the whole team to get into the shower where the shower is going guys are naked it's crazy and just starts yelling at them about how they're you know they're lollygagging around the bases and, and everything and um, you know he gives them this advice he just tells them it's a simple game you hit the ball you throw the ball and you catch the ball. That's it. That scene, and there's a scene where they, um, they're having one of those classic meetings on the mound. And if you watch baseball, you're always, like, everyone who watches baseball is like, what the fuck are they saying when they're on the mound? And they kind of, like, do a joke on that by, you know, having this discussion about, like, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah is getting married, and we don't know what to get him for as, you know, as a wedding present, and the second baseman's like, I've got a curse on my mitt because my, that my wife put on it, and now I can't catch anything, and we gotta That's get a live, scene. we gotta get a live rooster. my favorite scene, too. Really? We're dealing with a lot of shit here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we're dealing with a lot of shit here. Yeah, besides the crash and Annie sex scenes. <laughs> And, uh, no, the, the mountain scene, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely, there's a lot, if you are, a, if you are a casual baseball fan, then the rom-com aspects of this movie definitely will kind of pull you into wanting to watch it, I think. And then, and um, Kevin Costner has never been sexier. He is not my type whatsoever, but in this yeah, movie, yeah, yes. He's cute. And is it his hairy belly? Not, not Tim no, Robbins? It's not his hairy belly. No. There, he he just, you go. You're sure it's not? I, I will say this. One of the notes that I wrote down was, I think I need to try the Iron Maiden shirt with sport coat look. It's <laughs> <laughs> good luck. No, I, I had... His turned on one scene, I think. I hadn't seen this movie until just a couple weeks ago. And I loved it. I thought this movie was great. I I love that it opens up with... So Susan Sarandon, I feel, carries this movie. If you're going to sure. say who the main character of this movie, it's her. Because it's really not from her perspective in terms of, like, she's a constant narrator by any means. But she just... You know, she's the one picking the guy. She's the one grooming the team. She's the one who is the most invested in this team out of anybody. And like she said early on, that it's kind of this role that she's just adapted for herself um, because she loves the game so much and she wants whichever player she feels has the greatest potential to um, tap into that potential and move on, you know, get to the, get to the, get to the show. The show. The show. And, um, you know, my favorite scene is very early in the movie when she identifies 
nuke and crash as her two potentials and brings them both over to her house and <laughs> you know they she gives them the whole speech and you know Tim Robbins is like all right so what's going on and then Kevin Costner gets up and then gives his big speech and that you know the- that's what you see in the previews that's what you see in the clips and I'm like oh wow oh my you know, that is that is the that is the scene there, oh my know, right? there's two parts of that whole thing that I found really funny. One is at the bar when she's like, so you're coming home with me. And they're like, which one of us? And she goes, both Both of you. And Costner is just like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Not knowing what that means. It could mean they're double teaming her, but Costner's (laughs) like, whatever. And Tim Robbins is like, I don't know about this. But the during his speech, when he's like, I believe in this, I believe in this, when he says, I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, it made me laugh so much because <laughs> two years later, he plays Jim Garrison in JFK <laughs> three fucking hours mm-hmm. trying to prove that he didn't act alone. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm going to also say, I feel that this movie is about women being very like sex positive yes, and very yes, this I is agree. like a female empowerment I feel, role I feel the same you way. know i mean when kevin costner turns to her and says why do you get to pick and she's like honey this is just the way it is in fact no one's really picking anybody it's just a matter of timing it's a matter of this and this and this i mean i just thought i don't know if she was quite in her 40s yet but i mean she wasn't like a 20 year old picking she wasn't penny lane picking up these no. guys you know she clearly was i guess probably just, just susan sarandon herself was 42 there we go the yeah but yeah we, no. looked it, we looked it up tim robbins was 30 and kevin costner was 33 yeah so yeah. he was so much younger did you but... see who they wanted to play nuke no they were trying to get Anthony Michael Hall, who was oh. 20 at the time, which would have made more sense that Ugh. he's supposed to be a rookie right. pitcher. Yeah. Yes. yeah. To play Nuke. Yeah. Getting life lessons from this older guy. But, but he yeah, already did that guys. in Weird Science like two years before, <laughs> so maybe not. But yeah, the whole time that it's like Tim Robbins is supposed to be such a young dude compared to Kevin Costner, I'm like, they don't look that... yeah. Much different in age, you know. The the definitely the age, like you can see that, and I think that's a that's just a typical problem of eighties movies is Mm -hmm. not casting the right age group. I mean, Billy Crystal and and Meg Ryan are supposed to be the same age, and when Harry met Sally, Uh, and I think they're like twenty eight years apart in real life. So no way. But anyways, I, I I thought this movie was great. That I thought there were a lot of great scenes, but that my favorite scene is that early scene just because it really just kind of sets the table for what you expect for the rest of the movie. And again, Susan Sarandon, one of the strongest female characters I'd seen in a movie in a long, long time. And I feel that even though this movie did come out in the late 80s, it still holds up. There, it didn't feel dated to me. No. Oh. I will I will say something that dates it that drives me crazy. I saw in your notes something about saxophone. Cheesy 80s saxophone music. <laughs> yeah. It is and it like, is pretty bad. It, it especially it, during the it, sex scene. It is really cheesy. Dates any can date any movie to the 80s. It drives me. Yeah. Well, you is know. she your favorite character? Annie was my favorite character. Me too. She was my favorite character too. Same here. Woohoo! Two in a row with the, the same thing, favorite character. To me, anyone else plays that role. 
this movie's not as good. Yeah. And possibly not Agreed. good at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, she's probably the only one that could have pulled that off. Yeah. yeah. I, I just feel that this movie, um, it has also just that great, the opening has, like, that great summer night feel, like, and as, like, a big baseball fan, you know, it makes you go, want to go to, like, a minor league game and just, like, you know, have a beer and have fun and... They just look like they're having so much fun out there, you know. She's keeping doing her scorecard, and I mean, yeah. she's she's I'm sending so notes it. to the dugout saying, yeah. "Tell tell this one guy he's uh, bending too far yeah. back, or it, he's not leaning just, into the swing, I just or love do something with your said. hips." And, well, they, they, and they never question it. No, nope. like nope. they're always just like, "Oh, Annie said it. Oh, okay, I'll do it." Yep. Yeah. yeah. The thing the thing about this movie for me that separates it from the two we talked about before is that. There's actual stakes for characters in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, things go wrong, and it feels real. It feels like they'll have consequences mm-hmm. when bad things happen. Even though when they fight, the fight choreography is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but even still, you, you you still get the like propulsion of the consequences of the fight. Like you're like, oh the the dynamic between these characters is going to be drastically different from here on out. None of that exists in Sandlot or Field the Dreams. Yeah, no. I, I will say, though, that the, the consequence that you'd see in Field of Dreams, which they, they touch on, but you never really see it actually... They don't stress the importance losing of it. It's it losing the farm. Yeah. But they don't, they don't stress it as much as they really could. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. Well, it has one of my favorite just short lines in it which is switch hitting witch the best the switch hitting witch mm-hmm. when does when do they say that I don't remember when he's when he's talking about the curse on his glove oh okay. or, or maybe before when he's asking him to like rub the chicken bones on his bat and he's like you're a witch and he's like a switch hitting witch yes yeah. there you go yeah. oh that's right he was he yeah. was shrugging off the oh you don't like my voodoo well yes. guess what I'm a switch hitting yes okay. yes yes, yes. yeah that's better yeah that's better <laughs> I always started that right on does anyone else have any, any any more final thoughts about Bull Durham? Final thoughts about Bull Durham. It's a good movie. I do like. I'd this watch movie. it again. I'd watch it. I when it's on, I will stop the, I'll stop channel surfing and watch. You know, even if I only have to watch five minutes of this movie, it makes me feel good to watch it. Yeah. Wait. So when did you first see it? I first saw it like on TV, probably in high school. My pa- I remember like going to I think it was an aunt and uncle's house and. Like our parents and and them going to go see it for some reason I don't know why I remember that and then it was and but you know because it came out in what like eighty eight mm-hmm. yeah and so we weren't old enough to I mean we yeah we saw stuff way worse than this but we weren't old enough to go to go see it and um, so I didn't see it probably until a lot of high school oh. and again I just saw it for the first time a couple weeks ago when did you see it Sherry about. Ten years or so ago, I had seen scenes of it for sure, but when I first watched the whole thing, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it till like four years ago. Or yeah, something. cool. I think the other thing about it is it to me is a lot of it is just really how baseball is for a lot of the players. It pro- you know, yeah. it's more it's a real and how important catchers are. You know, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that they're just casual fans and like superstition and sure. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, mm-hmm. you know how Newt goes on his "I'm not going to have sex with Annie" streak. Like, right. He doesn't right. want to break the, the right. win streak. That and they he's go wearing on. her garter belt. Yeah. And how mental of a game it is. It's just yeah. Like yeah. Crash gives that speech to Annie, where he's like, "If he's doing this or he's not doing that, is that really what causes him to do well?" 
know, but he thinks it is, right. so it is. Yeah. Right. One of the things I loved in the movie is early on they have the manager demote a player. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, this is the worst job as the manager, blah, 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 blah. So you see him go through it, and, like, the, that player is just, like, blindsided by it. Yeah, he, like, knocks over a chair. Yeah. And, yeah. and so later on, when Crash comes in, and the manager starts the same speech, you know what's coming, and Costner isn't blindsided. Like, it's, like, been here before. Yeah. Like, and it's just so sad that yeah. it's, like, that's his life. And he even says at one point where it's like, he doesn't have the talent that Tim Robbins has, but Tim Robbins doesn't have the desire to play the mm-hmm. game that he has. Yeah. Right. And that's the heartbreaking scene with Crash, is it's like, man, he wants it so bad, but yeah. he just he's never going to get it. And then the manager even goes like, you know, we'd like to keep you with the organization. We think you yeah. could be a good minor league manager. Yeah. And it's like... Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The, well, when they're talking about how you know Annie brings up that he was only at the when they first picked him up, how he was only twenty oh home God. twenty home runs away from breaking the minor league record yeah. for career home runs, and he's like, "Please never talk about yeah. that." Yeah, and he doesn't. And think, doesn't he doesn't, doesn't think it's it. an accomplishment. Yeah. To, but but it's a, but it beca- the whole reason is because it's a slap in the face because it's like you shouldn't have been here. You long shouldn't have been enough. here long enough to hit that many home yeah. runs. And she didn't think it was, she thought it was something he should be proud of, and she was keeping track and even knew when it happened. But like she said, it never reached the AP News, never got it, or anybody like that. Well, it just and, never and, became and a that's why, though. Yeah. She understands yeah. how hard baseball is, and she yeah. understands, I mean, it's just like the amount of players that just, you know, that. She loves those dive bar cover bands, man. She does. <laughs> she does. Picking out the losers. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, the next movie we're going to talk about is A League of Their Own from 1992. And uh, Nancy, why don't you just give us a brief rundown? So A League of Their Own is kind of a biopic per se about, or loosely based on true story about the all-girls league that was created during World War II. It brings together, I guess there were 64 players that were ultimately allowed to play on four different teams. Yeah. And um, this this movie takes place over the course of the uh, the very first season, and then it ends with the inception of in the Baseball Hall of Fame, kind of uh, the unveiling of this exhibit in the Baseball Hall of Fame. There are you know sister relationships being dealt with. There are heartbreaks in this movie. There are um, you know women having to prove that they're just as good as men kind of issues that are dealt with in this movie. This movie is incredibly charming. And I saw this movie either in the theater or shortly thereafter. And I probably saw it a couple times in the nineties and I hadn't seen it again until this week. And I forgot how much I liked it. Honestly, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. I realized there was a reason I hadn't watched it again, mostly because I hated Tom Hanks's character. I thought he was this giant caricature of just this misogynistic bully who was frustrated and jealous and because he was this alcoholic that couldn't make it in the big leagues anymore, you know, he just didn't have any respect for these women and these women all they wanted to do was, you know, play what they play their game, put it all out on the field. 
and he couldn't be bothered to stay awake during their games, let alone manage them. So the heart and soul of this movie is Gina Davis's character, Dottie. Um, she's a catcher, you know, going back to how important catchers are in baseball, also in baseball movies, apparently. She really is kind of the center of this movie, and she really helps get the team going and leads the team in a lot of ways. Rosie O'Donnell's in this movie. Madonna's in this movie. Um, Lori Petty is in this movie as Gina Davis's younger sister, who always feels like she's in the shadow of her older sister and, you know, sort of only gets the... Literally op- and figuratively. Only gets the opportunity... A humongous eye roll. From yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought this movie was incredibly charming. I mean, you get, to, you get a flavor of what it was like for these women who um, had their husbands or boyfriends overseas um, fighting in the war, and there's even a scene where somebody gets that dreaded telegram where they find out that their husband had been killed. Very emotional. I mean, it's your typical, it's a very Penny Marshall, you know, movie to start to finish. It's got a very upbeat quality through a lot of it, even though it is dealing with this kind of heavy topic of, it's a war movie in a lot of ways. Without actually being on a battlefield, it is a, it's still centered during World War II. The gender war. And it's a gender war, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I thought this movie was great. Um, my two favorite characters, I'm just going to throw this out there right now, are Gina Davis's character, but also I love David Strahan's character. He plays Ira. Ira he he plays He plays basically the corporate guy that keeps this going. He's the one who is the office guy that really wants to make sure that this league succeeds, when, even when some of the other owners want to just disband it because they don't think it's popular enough, people aren't coming out, it's not making a freaking profit because that's what sports are supposed to do, I guess. Uh-huh. Just like healthcare. <laughs> he, he's the one who like, really supports them, and I just, I just thought he was amazing. Who else wants to jump in with some comments? I, I, will, I will second that Ira Lowenstein is the best character in the film. He's the only male character who gives a shit about the league, not for a financial reason, and, like, really fights for it. Mm -hmm. And I liked at the end of the movie at the Hall of Fame when, like, there is a picture of him Mm -hmm. in there. Like, they acknowledge, like, this dude, pun not intended or intended, went to bat for us (laughs) and really helped it go on. I'm just going to also mention um, my favorite scene in this movie. Matt and I talked about this with Better Off Dead, but all these sports movies seem to have a montage. Many montages. And my favorite scene in this movie starts with a montage. (laughs) It's when Ira's character tells Dot, you know, we really need to get people more interested in this. So if you've got any, like, special moves or something, why don't you do those? So it starts with her catching the ball and going into the splits. And then from there, there's about a four- or five-minute montage of just the women doing great. Like, they're doing these great little, you know, they're just playing really hard, and then you see the teams are getting more popular, the stands are filling up more and more and more. And I was just cheering while I was watching that scene. I was so pumped and excited and I thought, yes, like I I'd forgotten just how great that little piece of the movie was, but I love it. It's funny it's so that nice you... to have a female led film like this. I mean, even though it has its moments and I I think the editing it doesn't need to be as long as it is. There's some scenes that definitely drag on, but I just I've always loved this and this movie and 
You loved it so much that you were a Rockford Peach for Halloween I one was. year. I t- two Halloweens. I've, I've worn it twice. Yeah. Did you play? It's a great costume. It's probably my favorite Dugan? one. Did you play Dugan? I have the jersey and yeah. the hat to be Jimmy Dugan. Yeah. Were, were you dipping while you... Uh, God, no. <laughs> while you were playing that Dugan? Was, that was the most disgusting thing on the planet. He'd, he'd no. seen Sandlot. You yeah, think he would... I would That's true. That. That's disgusting. No, I was just going to say that uh, you had mentioned about how, you know, Dottie does the splits and then they end up, during that same kind of montage, they you see a lot of the kind of playful things that that the players did to get people interested in the game. And as a fan of baseball and knowing that what the criticism of baseball is, is that it's boring Mm -hmm. i think that you know people to get more people interested in baseball they kind of have to look at what they did in this movie and and what they did in real life at that time to get people interested and kind of look at that and say like hey how do you make the game fun for people to watch and see what they can do in real life you know baseball now they could look at that who's your favorite character I think that while I agree with everything you said about Tom Hanks and how he's just kind of not fun to watch, he really kind of turns at the end, so he's fun to watch. But um, I'm going, um, op- you know, different than you guys, and I'm going to say, even though he's only in it for a short time, I love John, John Lovitz oh. in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he is, it's so bad, but it's very entertaining. Yeah. Just because, you know, he's not the most PC character. It was a lot of fun kind of watching him, and I thought he did a really good job um, in this. And, you know, he also, you know, not as much as Ira, but he really kind of played a role in getting the league together by finding... Mm-hmm. Um, he was finding, finding the women. most attractive women he could find. Well, yeah, right. you know, maybe Marla, you know, finding Marla thing. might have given yeah. him a change of heart, you know. Maybe after he gave his wife a pickle tickle and then, oh, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, maybe she smack, he told her some stories and then she smacked him around and he changed his ways. I don't know. I, I have a note here that just says... Pickle tickle? Love it. <laughs> Typical sleazeball role. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I was just like... Yep. They read the script. They were like, "Who can play this role?" Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's who can pull this. And then off. a very and then a very um some minor characters that stood out to me um in a very minor minor way is um more minor than John Lovitz. Uh yes. <laughs> uh Judy Baker is played by Ann Cusack, uh, uh one of the other Cusacks, and the coach of the Racine team, Scully's dad. Is not just Scully's dad. <laughs> no, no, yeah, here we go. But it's also Major Briggs yeah. on Twin Peaks. Major Briggs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. Um, also, um, Sherry had mentioned editing and how there's probably some scenes in this that might be also too long. Yeah. But yeah. there's also some editing errors in this movie. That there's a lot. If you see them, you're like, what the F is going on here? Like, um when they're having the tryout scene, they're at they're at the real Wrigley Field, even though they call it Harvey Field in the movie. But Wrigley Field has the ivy fence, and there's a scene where one of the outfielders catches a ball, and the fence is the wooden fence at the field that they shoot all the other scenes at. Mm. So that's just terrible editing. And 
there's a scene where someone hits it to clearly hits it to right field and it's the left fielder who catches it and stuff. I don't know. Little things like that. Not really important, but are kind of annoying. At least no one said they invented mini malls. They did not invent mini malls, but you know they could at least know how to edit, edit a little better. Edit a little yeah. better. And um, you know, just want to point out another Madonna movie. There you go. Yeah. And and she was good in this. I yeah. you know, she she is it. My what actually is my favorite scene is when they're they're reading the rules and they're like. Uh, they say something like, yeah, no men, and she just gets up like she's going to leave, and she's like, that's it, I'm not... <laughs> she's kidding, she comes back. I, I was surprised that in, what is it, 1992, that Madonna could pull off playing, like, a tart who's just acting sexual all the time, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't know she had that much range, especially in 92. Uh, right. I mean, because I believe that's around the time of, like, the sex book coming out and Erotica, stuff. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She was always a saint before that. <laughs> you know, so this was a real stretch. It was it was interesting. But yeah, I did I did find it funny that like the whole dynamic between her and Rosie O'Donnell is like Rosie O'Donnell makes fun of her for being slutty and she like makes fun of Rosie O'Donnell's appearance. And the two of them became good friends yeah, afterwards. Great friends. Like I'm like, yeah. So you just insulted each other over and over again, and that bonded you as friends. Well, sometimes that's what friendships are built on. <laughs> <guess, though. laughs> what, what were your favorite scenes? My favorite scene is uh, when Dottie goes to leave, and Jimmy tries to make her feel bad. But the only reason it's my favorite scene is because the earlier scene on the bus. When Jimmy and her are talking, and it's the first time Jimmy has, like, he's not, he's not drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not being a dick. He, like, he actually talks honestly about, like, his past and stuff. That's when she showed him the picture of her husband? Yeah. Yeah. And so because she's the only person he's ever been vulnerable with, mm-hmm. when he tries to talk, when he makes her feel bad for leaving... You know that he's not just being a dick, making her feel bad. Yeah, he actually yeah. cares. Yes, I actually also have um, Jimmy telling Dottie not to quit as one of my favorite scenes. Okay. Um, my other ones were the tryout scenes. That's just fun to watch, and um, his uh, his prayer before the last game mm. is really kind of funny. But but I agree with Drew that um, when he goes to tell her. You know, not don't you know he doesn't go begging or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He he under he like respects her enough to be like I understand this is your decision, but please you know think about what you're giving up and you know and it and it and it doesn't turn around like amazingly like oh you're right I should go do this and they end up winning the World Series or anything like that. They actually play six games without her. Mm-hmm. You know, so she yeah. ha- actually has to take time to think about it. And, yeah. And change your mind. She goes far as Yellowstone and turn around. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about you, Sherry? What's your favorite scene? It, it, it is when, when they're reading their rules and, and they say, like, no men, and Madonna pretends to get up and leave. And I just, that whole, and then them reading their rules in general, which, which, um, a, a while ago when I watched this, it, it caused me to look up what the actual rules were for, like, what they could and could not do in that league. The first two are the like the ones that are the most like you you expect it because it's the forties, but it's just like really, 
uh, one of them is boyish bobs are not permissible and in general your hair should be well groomed at all times with longer hair preferable to short haircuts lipstick should always be on oh my god. <laughs> oh god and the other one that stands out more is always appear in feminine attire when not actively engaged in practice or playing ball. This regulation continues through the playoffs for all, even though your team, if your team is not participating, then in capital letters, at no time may a player appear in the stands in her uniform or wear slacks or shorts in public. Oh my God. No pants. No pants. No pants. How am I supposed to slide in that? I know, right? That's the and that's the part of the the whole like when you're watching it and your your feminist mind is just like you get it, but you're like, oh god, such like short. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play baseball in this dress, sure. We're, you know, but did you find this movie to be kind of emotional while you were watching it? Cause oh I, sure. Because I was kind of weepy through a lot of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Which cut which took me by surprise because it's a fairly upbeat movie for the most part, but it definitely was hitting a lot of emotional buttons throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I'm the, assuming you guys probably weren't, but... The scene no. with... The, the, <laughs> I wasn't, but I, I think that one, probably one of the hardest scenes is... First, the hard, probably the hardest scene is when um, Betty Spaghetti gets the note yeah. about her husband. Oh, God. And I love how, you know, like... The messenger is just like, Oh, crap, I don't have the person's right name. Okay, and And Jimmy is just like... Give me the message. Just, just give it to me. Yeah. And because he, he understands, like, a, someone here's heart is about to get broken. Why are you gonna just leave everyone like this? And b, we have a game to play. And now you're gonna just blow any care that anyone has on this field. Yeah. Because everyone's worried about their kid. And then, um, I think this the other hardest scene. Well, in, in that same scene, the drama of him slow walking through the locker room and Betty's sitting right next to Dot, and she's the only other person you ever really hear about yeah. with her husband, and you don't know as the camera's turning if it's going to be Dot or Betty, and then it ends up being Betty. And later, how 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 sh- you know shook she was after that happened. She's of course, like falling in her hotel room. Like I get that. Like how and yeah. Bill Pullman shows up. Like, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill Pullman ends up. Yeah, but the other the other hard scene for me to to kind of watch that um i wouldn't necessarily say i was getting emotional is pretty much any scene with Lori petty in it <laughs> she drives me crazy she is the worst in this movie her, her voice was at oh, like God. the extra whininess like oh. i was thinking about the only other movie i've really seen her in is point break and i just don't even remember her being whiny like this like this was a specific level no, of don't you have a soul she, <laughs> in point break she does not spend the entire movie thinking everyone owes her everything right yeah. and that she's the most put upon person in the entire yeah. world it was obnoxious thank you it's, for agreeing with me yeah she's very God, it's like so she's bad. very babyish I, this whole thing and uh, gina davis like called her out several times like you're acting like a baby and, yeah. i get i get it it's like ozzy canseco and jose canseco <laughs> or bobby bonds jr and barry bonds <laughs> one of you has the talent and the steroids the other one doesn't <laughs> like i get the jealousy there but it just got annoying. Oh, it's like, bad. It's it was, so bad. I, it's too I, much. I too much of it. I can't think if I actually liked Lori Petty in Point Break and then saw this movie and then started hating Lori Petty in Point Break or if I've always just hated Lori Petty's acting. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. 
but there's something she's about... She's excellent in Orange is the New Black. Black. Yeah, I You're like right. her in that. She's You're right. I will yes. say, I will say this. Good. Orange is the New Black, I, I think, will redeem mm-hmm. anything I've ever would have said bad about her, except for A League of Their Own. I agree. She's extra she's whiny in this, in this movie. movie. She's super whiny in this movie, and it it is beyond annoying. The, the worst part for me is that she's just a complete shit through the whole movie. And they let her fucking win. I know. Like I don't think it's a let her win though. I mean, no, I I'm think saying they, the screenwriters. Oh, okay, the, the, I, I think the creators, the, ball, the creators of Laverne and Shirley, who wrote this, <laughs> let her win. We're gonna do and it's, it. And it's so annoying <laughs> that it's also like, this is how you pitch to her. She can't hit these, and suddenly she can. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, again, I hadn't rewatched this movie in 20 years. And I couldn't remember when Dot was up to bat the inning before, does she blow her at bat or does she get a hit and she got a double, you know? So I couldn't remember if she was just going to, like, waste her at bat so her yeah. sister throwing to her, you know, would get this great strikeout or whatever. But no, 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 she didn't. It was that. She got this inside the field home run, and Scott Cousins, uh, Gina yeah. Davis's character, <laughs> and she just couldn't keep a grasp on. She didn't have a death grip on that I ball, and it rolled it out of her hand. But I mean, you know, she got to watch her sister enjoy a little glory at the end, and it's like she probably knew in that moment. Dot probably knew in that moment if her sister didn't get a chance to win something. It w- she would never hear the end of it. Like this would be what sets the what is the story for the rest of our lives. But I got the impression the years between the end of the baseball league and then where the reunion comes in, they maybe hung out once a year, maybe twice a year. Yeah, like, because I don't think they, they seem like it's a rare occurrence yeah. when they run yeah. into each other. That was weird too. Yeah. It was it was wild. But I also I also <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so after they win. And Dottie's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to quit, blah, 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 blah. Want to have kids. Yeah, and Kit's like, there's time for that later, blah, blah, blah. So then when you see her at the Hall of Fame later, she also wins in life, too, because yeah. she has more kids than her. <laughs> She's got a living husband. Well, and do we even know if Dot even had kids? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, the very beginning. Her her she's, oh, that's right. Her daughter's there when yeah. she's packing. I think she's living with that's her daughter. Right. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Since, that's right. Since that's Bill right. Pullman had died. Right. Two grandsons. I will, I will say I had to restart the movie after it was over <laughs> because at first I yeah. was like, and Kit has fucking kids and she doesn't. <laughs> and then I'm... That's right. Went back and I was like, okay, she does have at least the eight scenes kids. go on long. It's yeah, long. I mean, yeah, I. I'm and gonna... it's bizarre that they loop Gina Davis's voice over the actress. Yeah. So that is so okay. She sure everybody, like her. everybody on the record, that is not Gina Davis. And Physically, old no. No. Makeup. no, no, no. Okay, I no. know, right? I mean, I I in, in the credits, it says "Old Dottie" and it has yeah. okay. another. Actor. I was I mean, like, is I that thought, her mom? I thought they did a good job. Like, I, I mean, the cheekbones oh, yeah. and everything about it. The casting so... is great, but yeah. then okay. that voice is coming. I know out, it's weird, which yeah. then makes you start going like, "Is yeah. that makeup? I can't yeah, tell." Thank you. Uh, I was confused. It was weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. There was one scene in this movie that made me laugh my ass off, and it was when Marla's trying out, and. uh the dad realizes that John Lovitz doesn't want her because she's a handsome woman. 
Uh, <laughs> and he goes, the dad goes, it's my fault. Her mom died young. I made her play baseball. And in my mind, I'm like, no, it's your fault because half of your genes <laughs> made up her face, bro. You are an ugly mofo. <laughs> too and then he goes because i raised her like a boy i was like oh i thought i thought he was about to say because she looks like me <laughs> but what did marla get to do marla She's got to sing the when harry met sally song she got to serenade <laughs> nelson while she was drunk off her ass and yeah. she got a happily ever after so yep, she you go too. marla anyone have any th- final thoughts about this before we move on to the next just my my favorite character actually other than gina davis is is Jimmy is Tom Hanks. I just, I find, I like it. He's very funny and I like how he, you know, he works on himself and he turns around. Like I, I like it a lot. And, and that line, I forget if he, if he, he must be the one delivering it when he's like, stop thinking with your tits. Like, I'm like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> Did you enjoy his Austin Powers esque urination? <laughs> <sighs> that is, that is Tom Hanks's thing. He pees in a lot of movies. Really? Yes. <laughs> I guess I never... Does he pee in big? Yes. He pees in Forrest Gump. Money Pit? I don't know. But he pees... Yeah, he, he does, he, I think. This is his thing. Oh. He, so when Brad he, Pitt eats, he pees. And Tom Cruise runs. Yes, there's... Tom Cruise yeah. does run. Yeah, yeah. He run. No. He, Tom Cruise uh, runs. Robot Brad run. <laughs> he does. Interesting. Now, now hmm. I'm just gonna look up... We're gonna go down some, like, Tom Hanks... Your I, hole. What I like about him in this movie is he's usually not an asshole. So I find I find that's what I find very like I like it was a lot. So, I, I like Tom. It was I do. too dialed up though. And oh, I know. Just, like, I know. It is. It is. Uh, oh, I'm sure. It totally is. You it totally is. I don't know. You don't think that some of the other characters were kind of dialed up a little bit? It just bugged me the most with him though. It really. I can see me. that. I mean, I he delivers it. the most memorable line. The, sure. There's no crying in baseball. I think if which is which is which the is, show me the money of this movie exactly. yeah. Yeah. Where when it yeah. happens exactly. you're like didn't really want to hear that again no yeah, yeah it's just plus also I'm sure plenty of people cry yeah all right I've seen it happen and finally we have reached our last movie Bad News Bears which came out in 1976 stars Walter Matthau and a slew of young talent that some we heard from again, some we had heard of already, and some we never heard from again. And this is about how Walter Matthau's character, Buttermaker, is an alcoholic, pool-cleaning former baseball player who never made it to the major leagues, gets hired to coach a Little League baseball team a team that's not even supposed to be part of this league, but because of some sort of, like... Original participation trophy type thing. Yeah, yeah. some sort of political kind of thing. Um, they're, they're for, they become a team in this what is normally supposed to be a six-team league. They become the seventh team, and they're your, your usual kind of band of misfits kind of team where they don't really know how to play, they don't know how to really catch or throw or hit or anything like that not very athletic at all not very athletic some of them are playing because they want to play some of them are playing because it's in their family like there's a history of being athletic and some of them are playing because their dad is on the city council buttermaker's job is to basically coach this team and it gets to a point where 
they're the worst team in the league, and then they go to the championship. And this is a movie that I first saw as a little kid in the 80s. I saw it on TV because I wasn't born when it came out. I've always liked this movie. This is a just a really fun movie that kind of goes beyond baseball. It has, you know, there's a lot of popularity about the, culturally within this movie. It got remade in the 2000s, and uh, it's really <laughs> not good. The original had a couple sequels made from it. I've seen the second sequel a number of times as well. It's called um, Bad News. It's like Back in Training or something like that. And in that one, they go on a road trip, so that's kind of fun. And then in the third one... They go to Japan and play a, a Japanese little league team, and it's and it's just a fun kind of movie. But it deals with a lot of it, it deals with a lot of serious life issues. Buttermaker is got a drinking problem. He, you know, kind of had a relationship with a woman and became very close with her her daughter and. So that there's kind of a father-daughter kind of relationship mm-hmm. that you kind of deal with. There's all the relationships that all the kids have with each other. There's kind of a juvenile delinquent kind of character who, you know, just wants to be a part of something and how, how he can be there. And then there's another little kid on the team who's not very talented at all who's constantly getting picked on who you try and you watch kind of his journey to see, you know, what kind of success he'll have. And I think that's probably the most emotional moment at the end of the movie where he, you know, he's very, he's terrible and they just never play him. And then he, he not only catches a ball, but he saves a home run in the championship game. And that is probably the best scene in, in this movie for me. I always get kind of choked up watching that scene. That's lupus, right? That's lupus, yeah. What a name. Booger-picking spaz. The booger-picking spaz, yeah. I'd also say that this movie has some of the qualities that a lot of, like, the edgy 70s cinema had. That, it's kind of like, has and it has that all-in-the-family style dialogue, I would say. Oh, yes. <laughs> that where it's very just kind of, like, not PC. The dialogue in this would not fly in any movie with kids whatsoever no. these days, especially kids that age. Yeah. Um, Was it what? What is the rating in this movie? Do you know? It's. I think it's a PG thirteen. Okay, that makes rating, sense. Yeah. So it wasn't a kids movie to begin with. Yeah. It would be an yeah. R rated movie yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Would, well, there wouldn't even be PG thirteen then. Oh, you're right. Because yeah. that didn't come out until the eighties. Yeah. But um, but who knows? It, they could have released this movie. I don't think they they might not have released this as an R-rated movie in 1976 just because of how the culture was. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. That would be an interesting thing to check. Well, why don't why don't we pass it over to Drew because this is one of your favorite movies, right? Oh, easily. Yeah. Where do you want to start <laughs> with it? <laughs> well, I mean, what when did you first see this movie? I first saw this movie when I was 19. I started working at this heating and air conditioning place, and I had this weird older dude who sat next to me who would just tell me what movies to rent from Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And luckily he was, you know, he grew up in the 70s, so all of his recommendations were like, go rent Bad News Bears, 
go rent the Godfather, mm. go rent the conversation. Nice. Conversation. He didn't so say said, Beethoven and no, none of those. And so real recommendation. As like I had already seen grumpy old men and grumpier old men, <laughs> and was uh, why. It's Jack Lemmon and Walter I honestly don't know why I went and saw those, but uh, so I had an affinity for Walter Matthau. So when this dude was like, "Watch this movie," Walter Matthau just plays a drunk who like coaches a little league team and swears at everyone. I was like, <laughs> smoking cigars, sounds and... up my alley, my man. <laughs> the thing I love is that they set his character up perfectly from the very start. Which That's is, my favorite scene is the opening scene. He he shows up. <laughs> he like he opens his when door, he, when a he, beer when falls he, yeah. out, like an empty falls out. He cracks <laughs> one, pours a little out, pours some whiskey into it, which I just did. Uh, <laughs> and then he goes and meets with Whitewood. And as Whitewood's trying to give him the speech of like, "Oh, it's so great you're doing this, blah blah blah." Buttermaker's just like, "You got my check." Right. He oh, gets, by the way, it's not signed. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> nothing about what's being said to him could he give a fuck about, no. except for, <laughs> am I getting paid to put up with these little runs? I got pools to clean. Like, he's a babysitter. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting paid. He thinks he's getting paid to be a babysitter for, yeah. you, know, got, you know, for a season. And so, he and Tom Hanks' character have a little in common. Yes. Except one seems realistic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they're one, both drunks. One seems very lived in, in, yeah. in, in the role, and the mm-hmm. other one does not. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, like, you meet the team, and in, in my mind, in the opening of him meeting the team, and, like, trying to decide where they should play, or if they have an idea where they should play, just in that scene alone, I feel like you understand who Tanner is, who Engelberg is, who Ogilvy is for sure, yeah, who Lupus is, and right there, four main characters are introduced in like a ten minute period, if that. Uh, just that scene alone is only probably like two minutes long, yeah, and you already just know who those kids are, and that the director Michael Ritchie, I think, does a great job all throughout the movie of just parceling out information about these kids so that you know by the midway point of the film you're completely invested in every single one of them oh yeah Yeah. who's your favorite character Buttermaker for sure uh you can can be the second one too of the kids it's definitely not definitely like it changes from time to time this particular viewing it was Tanner uh He's the one who's always fighting, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's the heart of the team. Yeah. Because he, yeah, because even when, like, they all are, like, they lose their first game, they're completely embarrassed, and they all they all vote to quit, he's the one that's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to quit, I don't want to yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, yeah, he's, you know, he has his scene where he goes on his little racist yeah. tirade, which obviously is not cool, but he's, he's, He's always honest. Mm-hmm. He yeah. never, he never sugarcoats anything. And there's a scene when Lupus, when Lupus gets beat up mm-hmm. by the Yankees, uh, or he by two the of them. Ketchup all over yeah, the and stuff. like right before that happens, T- 
Tanner is talking shit to Lupus. Yes, like, yes. But then it, it's one of those things like, I can do it, but you can't. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, right. he's my teammate. Right. And, like, and there's that heartbreaking line where Lupus is like, oh, ain't nobody ever stood up for me before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a turning point for Lupus, too, where Lupus is like, wow, someone finally cares about me yeah. in this world. And so, and from that moment on, you never really see Tanner, like, every once in a while he'll, like, encourage Lupus to, like... Stick up for himself. Yeah, like, and... he'll still say derogatory things, but there will be a, like, if you, if you stop being like this, maybe things get better. Like, from that point on, Tanner is trying to help Lupus. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh... I don't know. I could talk all day. So Matt, what's somebody else. <laughs> Matt, who's your favorite character? Um, I really like Ahmed. Uh-huh. Yeah. The the He's the lone great. black kid on the team. Um, but I I think my favorite character is Amanda, played by Tatum She's O'Neill. Like, She's great. Yeah, the, she. Her her and Walter Matha are the probably the only known like, really known actors in this movie that you you would know of, like... At that time. At that time. Yeah. She act... And she is very... She's really great as an actress in this. Mm-hmm. And I just love her character because she is very strong-willed and, strong, and very open-minded mm-hmm. and very strong-minded. You know, she tries to put... You know, she calls... Uh, Buttermaker, Boilermaker, mm-hmm. and Butterworth, and like makes up all these names for him because just to kind of put him in his place. Because she ha- she's like, you know, you screwed over my mom. You know, I always thought you were like a dad, but you never treated me like that. Why would I ever listen to you? And you know, why would I help you? And, and then I'm getting a, a bra soon, so I can't. Yeah, play, exactly. Play well, well, and she and she was evidence to um, Buttermaker that he really can groom a groom a kid to be a good ball player because he taught taught her her how to pitch pitch. and it was the time and investment that he had to just put into a kid to make them to really make their strengths come out now of course you got to have some natural talent of course but she should have been like this example to him like hey you really could probably do this with a whole team of kids if you put your mind to it Um, and she of course comes in and helps really turn the team around um, which I thought was amazing like that if they were going to of all the kids that they could have brought in that it'd be a girl I right. was just yes. I was thrilled to see that yeah. she she is my favorite character along with Ogilvy I love that kid <laughs> I love that he's this poor asthmatic kid who just wants to be there but he's this encyclopedia worth of knowledge the fact that he's just Take is Mr. Score, Statistics, Mr. Statistics, yeah. Mr. Scorekeeper, Mr. Historian. I just yeah. I thought he was so sweet and great. And at the very end, when um, with the big turning point, when um, Buttermaker realizes all these kids deserve a shot to play. I winning isn't what's important. It's I want these kids to have yeah. fun. Um, and when he puts wants to put him in, and Ogilvy just protests, saying, "I'm," he goes next to Lupus. I'm the second worst kid in the entire league. You know, he's so he's you know so shy about even wanting to play because he just knows he's so bad, and their team has an actual chance to win. Um, I just thought he was so sweet. I I think that 
you know, they give kind of, like, different screen time to a lot of the different kids. So it's really, to, to Drew's point, like, every time you watch it, you kind of think, you can kind of focus on mm-hmm. a different kid. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've watched this movie a number of times, too. and so I just saw it recently. That was... That was that, my, my third, third movie. The third movie I badgered Nancy about never yeah. seeing. <laughs> um, and I think just with every watching, you can, like, really kind of see someone else kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. What about you, so. Sherry? Um, well, I wrote, for my favorite character, I wrote Buttermaker with Duh next to it, but I mean, there's so many great characters. I mean, Kelly Leak is so great. Like, he's yeah. just, he's just, and so, he's like, hitting on, um, oh gosh, what's her, what's the character's name? What's uh, Tatum's uh, character name? Amanda? Amanda. Amanda. When he's like, hitting on her, and he's, she's like, I'm going to a Rolling Stones concert with him on a date, and like, Buttermaker's like, what are you talking about? You're like 11. Like, no. Like, yeah. And, um, or but when he's, he's hitting on the he's just hitting on the older woman he's terrible but he's also just awesome and he's like really into it and it really the scene I mean so many scenes are, are so great with all the characters like they just really show their show so many sides to them but you know in the end when he gets upset when he tells him to like make all the catches you know for everybody that can't hack it and that's having trouble and he gets he's upset because he doesn't want everybody all of a sudden they start like disliking him because he's doing that and you know a ball hog and everything and he doesn't want that you know he just wants in the end even though you don't think it he just wants to be liked and he wants to be accepted and I think it really shows that and um but but Walter Matha I mean such he's just uh, such a comedic genius he's so awesome like in, in anything he's in you know but especially this movie is just really you see it, um, how just how funny he is. I mean, it's just amazing, and how much he cares. And so many scenes stand out too. But other than the opening scene, where he's when he gets out of his car, I love so much. But when he when he climbs up into that tree with Ahmed and stuff, <laughs> I mean, it's just like you, you. It shows you right there, like okay, like you're you're kind of wondering about this guy, like okay, hmm, you know. But he, how much he cares, and he wants to help him, and that that Hank here, it's such a great kid type of speech to give somebody like what he tells about Hank Aaron and all his errors that he had and and stuff which is total I'm sure not true but maybe it is I don't know but <laughs> well I think that I think that why this movie kind of stands out to me is because of the also the dramatic moments in this movie yes, yes. because yes there are Perfectly there are balanced. some there are some really like tough scenes in this movie there's like, genuinely scary scenes in this movie yeah mm-hmm. I mean where it's like you're eight and an adult is throwing things at you or hitting you right yeah, but I mean mm-hmm. I mean there is and there's, no one's around to stop them either. right right mm-hmm. I mean the scene there's a scene that he has with Amanda where she you know she's gone she started to kind of get close to him again and she's become vulnerable and she's opening up to like you know I'd I'd really like it if, like, we could go out and hang out with my that mom. That scene is just and, so and, and, heartbreaking. You know, let's go. Let's let's go to a movie. And he's just like, you know, well, no, well, well, we'll just take the whole team. And she's like, no, I was thinking about us. And it's like, he just just swears at her and like throws beer on her, and it's just like, don't can't you understand? I don't want to hang out with yeah. you. And it's like. What the hell? If it I is... wanted to hang out with you, I would have called you two years ago. Right. He screams at me. Yeah. And you just, you can tell he but just then, hates himself so much. Yeah, as soon as she walks away, like, he wells up, and you realize, like, he did it because he hates himself so yeah. much, and 
probably he's afraid yep. that like he's not emotionally able to be there for her right in the way that she wants and so he does the like you know to get away from me. I wrote yeah. self-sabotage. Self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Like, no one wants to hang out with me anyway. He full on yeah. knows what he did was wrong. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, and, and there's a... He has a couple scenes like that. Not He has one with Amanda. He has one with the whole team. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's really kind of like you're watching this going, I can't believe this is happening. But um, probably the most dramatic scene in the entire movie is... Um, Engelberg has a run-in kind of with the pitcher of the opposing team in the cha- and in the championship game, and he the the pitcher throws at Engelberg's head, and the pitcher's the son of the coach of the Yankees, and the coach yeah, comes Turner. out there, Turner, and and he's just like, "What's the matter with you?" And he hits him in the mi- yeah. on the in his head on the mound, on he slaps head. it against the face. Knocks him to the ground. Knocks him to the ground. Everyone sees this. And, like, the entire field is, like, Including dead the silent. Boy's mom. And I, this is also that moment where Walter Matthau, uh, Buttermaker, kind of realizes, like, yeah. why the fuck do I care about winning this game? Well, right before that is the scene where he screams, screams at the at, whole team. And he's yeah. like, don't you bastards want to win? win. Blah, yeah. blah. And they all just are, like, blankly staring at him. And as they, like, go back out on the field... You like, see Buttermaker like, know, yeah. like, they don't really care. But at that point, he's probably still pissed about it. Yeah. But after he sees Turner, then in his mind, he's like, if I keep doing this, I become Turner. Yeah. Exactly. Right, that, which is funny. And I won't that, do that. Yeah, and that right? got to him. That's why he started acting like the wanting to win, I think, too, because like, that guy was being a dick to him. So and that's like, when yeah. What I think is the greatest scene with Lupus happens, which is not the catch, but it's when he tells Lupus to go in, and Lupus is like, but I'm the worst player, blah, 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 blah. And Buttermaker says to him, did you come into this life to just sit on the bench in the dugout? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, then just get out there and do your best. Exactly. Which is the fucking moral of the movie. It's why every child should watch this fucking movie <laughs> is, you know, spoilers, the Bears don't win. It's not about that. Right. Yeah. Like, it's about trying. And if you can honestly say you did your best, it doesn't matter if you fail. You're a success in that you put yourself out there. You you did something and you tried. Yeah. And that, like, when Buttermaker first shows up at the field... There is no idea that that is a conclusion he's going to come to later in the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. No, well, the, that scene from when the Yankees coach comes out and smacks his kid and how there's, like, that pin drop silence and then everybody gets kind of sh- woken up and then yeah. Buttermaker realizes, oh, my God, this game is supposed to be fun. All these kids deserve a chance. Like, that's my favorite moment in the whole movie. Just because the kids really, I mean, they're so poised to win, but he 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 finally is embraced. Like you said, yeah. it's not about winning. It's just we all deserve a chance to play. We all yeah. deserve to have fun and do your best. Because because even at the very end, you know, here Kelly Leak gets almost gets an inside the park home run, 
but he's just short. Yeah. And gets called Which, out at home. Which, but it's okay. Here's the he's the best player on the team, and even he can't deliver. But it's okay because who cares? Yeah. But even if they had, even if he had scored and they had won, it would have been a hollow victory because of the run scored. When uh, oh. Turner just yeah. holds the ball, yeah, yeah. Right. and lets yeah. him run right. the bases, right? <laughs> yeah, right. which yeah. I loved, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah that that was that was rough. I but mean, and that that speaks to what I was saying about how like scary things happen mm-hmm. to kids, and no one does anything. Yeah, no, his for mom sure. just kind of looks I know. over and is like, "You bastard!" Yeah, like, and it's like, well, she took him out of the game, and they left. I mean, I that know. was. But what, it used yeah. to be. But I mean, like, it seems like she's. It, it seems like. Uh, and I feel like that's in the seventies. No, it was more no yeah, like just like, to kind of hey, be like coach, being shitty to kids. Slap a kid, yeah, on the field. or like no parent, fired. Came, yeah, no parent came out and like no. beat the shit out yeah. of him or called the cops. You know, yeah. which is what right. would have happened these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I wanted to ask you, Nancy, because you had not seen this movie before, seeing watching it for the first time, and then kind of seeing what how it started, and then how. And then the dramatic ending that it has, even though it's, you know, they don't win or anything mm-hmm. like that, but how the movie progresses and seeing that moment, like how, how did, did the movie kind of meet or exceed your expectations in that point, in that moment? Well, I mean, regardless of what happens, the fact that this movie is scored to Carmen, <laughs> I mean, that alone was, was genius. Um, no, this movie was excellent. Which you just saw. Well, yeah, I saw that yeah. performed yeah, cool. in person. Um, no, I I thought this movie was excellent. I mean, I, I I think I've seen both the grumpier old men movies too, and I've never been someone who's Again, like Walter why? Matthau. Like, I gotta go run out and see every Walter Matthau movie. I mean, him being so grouchy, like that kind of that kind of energy is something that there's the odd couple. Uh, too. I am I find the kind of conflict that he brings challenging you know i mean like him just being like this constant drunk this total grouch like that's hard to watch like it's it's very uncomfortable um especially like as an adult watching how he treats kids it's it's hard but seeing his progression i mean because he's also i mean he's not equipped to do this i mean i don't i would love to know like he his character must have what cleaned the guy's pool and like is that how he met is that <laughs> yeah, how he yeah, met much. The, he doesn't give a lot of info either when he yeah, starts because the guy's like fail. on city council or something <laughs> yeah. right so yeah. he must he must be like his pool cleaner or something and maybe talk to him once and turns like oh yeah I used to play baseball or whatever but no he he makes it very he makes a lot of the movie uncomfortable to watch but in a good way because I mean that's what you're supposed to feel and I mean the fact that the fun, only yeah. uniform sponsor they can get is Chico's Bail Bonds. Oh. I mean, that's pretty damn hilarious. <laughs> and all the good colors have been taken. So yeah. Piss yellow. No, I, I, I thought this, I thought this movie was excellent. And I thought, I thought the kids, I thought the fact that none of these kids were really like natural athletes felt so real. I mean, when you think about kids just learning how to play a sport, you know, barely knowing how to even put the equipment I mean when Buttermaker had to like say this is a ball you know <laughs> you throw a ball you catch a ball you hit a ball and you know Tanner yells we goddamn don't think we know what a ball is what's your problem um, but I mean Buttermaker was seeing them as that 
you know, kind of infantile in terms of their, their athleticism and really was kind of at a loss on how am I supposed to sculpt these kids? I mean, if he had been handed a great team, that would have been a totally different situation. But no, he was handed these poor kids that, you know, didn't really even know what the positions were out in the field and, oh. But, no, I thought it was excellent. I would, in fact, I watched it twice in the last couple weeks. Um, so I I would say it's definitely a movie I wouldn't mind watching again at another point. I do think, I know you guys are saying it'd be great for kids to see, but I just don't know with the language and <laughs> the, un, like, the totally non-PC uh, quality of this movie, how you could show a kid nowadays. I, I just think that when the movie came out, People making movies then were probably like, oh, there's kids in it. This is probably a kid's movie. And it probably just made its way into theaters as yeah. like a kid's movie. I think it's got a lot of good like messages for, for kids. Like, There's also some questionable things, too, I guess, in this day and age. But also... I think it would be perfect to show to a kid that was a little older that like was like into like playing a sport and lost a game or something mm. and like you know like just I don't know things like that like but I I I honestly I would totally let River watch this movie when he's a little older I mean I think that I mean sit and watch it with him explain it to him I don't know maybe it's, just tell him that there's certain names eh. you don't call people well yeah I mean hopefully he I already mean, knows that the the thing that I love about when they lose too is that so it's nineteen seventy six. Like, I, I hate Spielberg, and I think that his influence on film, like, made the late 80s and the early 90s just become sappy and, like, heartstring tugging and blah, 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 blah. If this movie had been made in the 80s, when they lose, there would have been, like, maudlin music playing, and, like, it would have spent so much time with them processing the fact that they lost and, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And in Uh this movie, it's like, they lose. Three seconds later, Buttermaker is handing them beers and going, we're celebrating. Like, we shouldn't have even have come this far. Like, be proud of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And And there's there's not a single moment of like, oh, no, we let ourselves down or we let someone else down. It's just like, yeah, you lost, but so what? Well, and then when... uh, there's this super, like, really awkward moment where the two teams meet at home plate, and they're, like, the the team that won is holding their gigantic fucking yeah. trophy, and they're handing, you know, the Bears their little second-place trophy. She, she hands them the trophy. <laughs> and they're and like... He says, thank you, yeah. sir. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yes. That's great. And she shoots Her face is like, what? But, um, you know... She sucks. The, one of the guys on the Yankees is like... You know, we were really hard on you, but you turned out to be okay, and no hard feelings, and, you know, so we're sorry. And then Tanner, like, doesn't skip a beat. Take He's like, you know what you could take with your crummy apology? You could shove it up your ass and we'll see. <laughs> and it wasn't it lupus and then... Take, take your apology, a trophy, and shove it straight up your ass, and then lupus delivers the last line of the film, which is, and another thing... Just wait till next, next year. year. And then they throw the trophy, and then the, the kids... Lupus throws a beer at them, too. <laughs> well, and then they all just start throwing beer on each other and celebrating because, again, they weren't even supposed to get yeah. that far. I mean, and they all played hard, and they and they had fun, and they did their best. And they also have hope. Yeah, exactly. How many movies do you see that give you that? 
Yeah, like, not many. Not, I mean, when you're done with it, especially in a, in a sports movie, it's either, oh, we all fucking won, or... This movie, they actually had the courage to be like, no, they can lose. The yeah. heroes can lose, and it can still be an uplifting movie. Yeah. I'd agree. All right. Favorite scene? Um, I think my favorite scene... It, I like the whole... Everything that happens in that like, last like half an hour with that final game is great. But if I have to pick like one scene that is hilarious is um, when they're cleaning the pools and they're done and Buttermaker is telling them all stories about... He's, he keeps repeating the same story yeah. over and over again about striking out Ted Williams. and <laughs> The um, smash cut to him on the mound? <laughs> not that. Oh, okay. No. Um... They're done cleaning the pools, and Lupus is, like, making him a martini. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he hands him the martini, and he's like, that is, a one- that is wonderful. Superb. Thank- yeah. That's superb. Thank you. <laughs> so great. Uh, Sherry? Uh, just that, that opening scene, well, the opening scene when, you know, he's, he's getting out of his car. I love, yeah, and when he's climbing the tree. But I also love it when they call Kelly a lone shark. That, that scene makes me laugh. Mm. Yeah. Nancy? It was that the dr- dramatic scene from the Yankees pitcher smacking the kid, and then everybody having the wake up call that yeah. oh yeah, I've got to have fun. This is too serious. Mine. So it, it again, Changes. it can change all the time. This particular time, it's uh, kind of like a domino effect. Like these three scenes, just kind of they come right in a row, and uh, it starts with Ahmad going in the tree. And Buttermaker goes up there, gives him the little speech, blah, blah, blah. First time that he gives a shit. I also love the line where uh, Ahmad calls him a honky. <laughs> yeah, yes, and he yes, goes, so great. we've got enough problems. We don't need to bring race <laughs> yeah. into this. Uh, but so the very next scene is he goes to meet Whitewood at City Hall, and Whitewood's like, just disbanded. Like, it, it, yeah. one game in, it's an embarrassment, just disband it. And so Buttermaker then is like, nah, like, it's the same reason Kelly Leak joins the team, is as it's soon like as bold. someone is like, you yeah. can't, yeah. it's like, nah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next scene, just watch me. Buttermaker apologizes to the team yeah. for it, and he has the great line where he goes, it... He asks everyone, do you want to quit? Blah, 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 blah. And a few of them say yes. And he, he gives the line where he's like, yeah, he goes, you don't want to start doing this because this quitting thing is a hard habit to break once you yeah. start. Yeah. And, like, that's a great lesson for kids is, like, yeah, if early on you realize, like, ah, the going's tough, I'll just quit. Yeah. Like, it just keeps getting easier and easier and easier. And... Could have been e- it could have been very easy for Buttermaker to quit because he's already got his check. Yeah. The guy didn't say disband the team and give me my money back. No, he paid him. He could have just taken the money, only had to have coached one game, when got drunk. Never but showed there, up. <laughs> but there was something in that first game where he's like, I'm going to do something to help these kids. And then the next scene which I didn't go write down as being the next scene, but the next scene is when he goes to recruit Amanda. Yeah. So he's like, 
I'll actually go get someone who will help you as well. And so, yeah, just that, the first turn of his character, because he does constantly turn back and forth throughout the movie between hero and not-so-great guy. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that... those pairings of scenes are just fantastic to me. Wow. Well, I think that, you know, we've talked about a lot of different stuff in these with these movies. And so before we started the podcast and while we were all watching the movies, I had asked all, you know, everybody here to rank the movies from favorite to least favorite of these five. Yeah, you don't really have to give too much of a reason, but st- starting with your least favorite movie, um, Nancy, why don't you give us your top five? Or your, um, your order of least least to best. Sandlot, Field of Dreams, A League of Their Own, mm, Sophie's Choice. I think it would just depend on my mood. I'm not. I don't, I don't think any of the movies are going to die in World War yeah. Two. <laughs> I, it, it, the top two are Bull Durham and Bad News Bears, and I really think it just would depend on my mood. If it's a dramatic mood, Bad News Bears. If it's a, you know, female empowerment movie mood, Bull Durham. All right. On the next, um, my number five would be Sandlot, and then my number four would be I kind of will flip flop these kind of like you would your one and two i'd flip flop my my three and four it's between field of dreams and league of their own written down here i have sandlot then league of our own then field of dreams but i think depending on again on mood and whatnot those could flip flop then bull durham then bad news bears um bad news bears is the first one i saw of all of these and it probably had the biggest impact on me at a young age as you know someone who liked baseball and as a and as a youth watching it so you know how old did you say when you first watched it i i was probably like eight or nine and i'll just clarify this is a movie we clearly never had as a dub on a we never had this we never had a copy of. i think it would have been something i would have been exposed to earlier this was used to play it on tv i never watched it was always on like tbs yeah it was always on tbs you it was like you watch this and then the braves game came on (laughs) (laughs) yeah right yeah so Uh, and and i didn't i didn't see it until you know when you told me to watch it about i don't know eight years ago or whenever it was sherry what's your rank uh uh, Field of Dreams last, then uh, League of Their Own, even though I do really like League of Their Own. Um, and then I probably would say Bad News Bears and Sandlot are like tied, you know, like two and three. And then Bull Durham is my favorite. Yeah, right. I, Bull Durham is my favorite baseball movie. Right. True. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I rated them out of five stars. And Field of Dreams and Sandlot, actually, I gave the same rating to. But Sandlot just seems so much worse than Field of Dreams to me. Uh, so yeah, Sandlot 5, Field of Dreams 4, League of Their Own, Bull Durham, Bad News Bears. Alright. Very similar to mine then. I was, and I was actually very surprised at how much I enjoyed Bull Durham. Really? Yeah, like it's 3, 4, and 5 are like... 
Yeah. I hate you. I never want to watch you again. <laughs> and then there's Bull Durham and Bad News Bears. Well, you know, one of the reasons... Not, not, not hate you. I never want to watch you again for League of Their Own. Yeah. Uh... But you, if you I don't watch ever again, want to watch yeah. you again, I wish you were directed by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and that's one of the, th- I mean, you know, Nancy and I have now been doing this podcast for a few months now, and we really appreciate you guys listening and um, all the viewers or all the listeners that, that um, listen to our podcast. And, um, you know, it really is about, you know, movies that we grew up watching and, ones that have influenced us and you know i think that it was a really great discussion i just wanted to bring up um one last thing and we could talk about this more if anyone has any opinions about this is um i had asked on facebook anyone who had a favorite baseball movie and some people suggested some ones that we didn't talk about um and ones that you know if you've seen it check it out there's one that i hadn't seen that i'm gonna go check out after this um 42 which came out a few years ago which is about jackie robinson uh someone had mentioned was their favorite baseball movie doesn't that start the black panther it yes. does start the black panther. <laughs> we, yes. we that's what we saw that what, we what, saw you, that what one are you talking about that you didn't see uh, i'll get to oh, that okay um moneyball which um is i really like moneyball fantastic film um, it's awesome. It's it's one of those movies where when it's on, I'll just stop and watch it. It's it's a newer movie. Um, I think it, and I think for A's fans, even more has even even other than being an excellent film, I think it has even more meaning too. Yeah, I know some people who um, are A's fans who also don't like it because they don't like sure. having to rewatch things yeah, about that season. I get that. Um, Mister Three Thousand, which I, I need to watch that. is. Um, I have not seen, but someone said, actually, give it a try. It's it, it's really good. I said, okay. Never heard of it. Um, but probably the number one movie that people recommended that we opted not to talk about is Major, Major League. League. Um, I've seen the second one. Did you, <laughs> did you ever see the first one? No. I no. think you and I saw <laughs> that movie funny. a few times. I I've, seen it, I've seen it many times. Yeah. It's not my favorite baseball movie. I think that there's... It, it, it does have some flaws. I mentioned in, I think, our pod, in our natural podcast that I have a hard time talking, promoting anything with Char- Charlie yeah, Sheen in yeah. it for some reason. Although For some I'll, reason? Then I'll probably <laughs> promote, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, wait, Charlie Sheen was in that movie, fuck. Um, but um, He's such a huge figure in that movie, though. He's, he he is, and... and He's the Nuclelution in that movie. Well, and I think, like, all of his antics of the like the last 10 years that we could if that's kind of spawn off of like that character yeah. like he like he's the wild thing yeah exactly but um a lot of people really like that movie it is you know it's a comedy it has you know that kind of like almost bad news bears kind of feel but they end up winning i guess so i don't know um but out of our list, like, Field Dreams really is the one that you can't classify as a comedy, you know? Yeah. If you want a film with the Giants in it, you could always do The Fan. Wesley <laughs> Snipes oh, and Robert De Niro. I've never no, watched no. that. Tony Me Scott neither. film. The, t- I know the, the, the Benicio Del Toro's in it. It's so bad. It's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I just named Wesley Snipes two is supposed Academy to be. Award winning, like, <laughs> actors. <laughs> it's Tony Scott. It's... So not that. Good. Yeah, it's an awful. It's. Movie. A, is it Robert De Niro in it? 
Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's the fan. Is he supposed to? Is Wesley Snipes supposed to be like Barry Bonds or something? Kind of like the idea of yeah, yeah, but it's. It's, it's not it's, good. It's so it's bad. So I rewatched good. it recently. <laughs> Why did you torture yourself like that? Baseball movies. I was like, I was like, it has, it can't be as bad as I remember it. It has all this talent involved. <laughs> oh wait, oh, it, can. <laughs> it can be. It can be. Some some movies just they do, they don't they don't you know ripen with age. No. But uh, again, I want to thank everybody for for listening and for participating. Um, another movie that um, was not suggested by anyone on Facebook um, was Eight Men Out with John Cusack in it, and um, it it's a good. I don't know. It's I've never seen movie. it, but I'd like to watch it sometime. I'd like to talk. I'd like to ask him what his favorite baseball movie that he wasn't in is. Maybe he can clarify what sport he his character played in Stand by Me. You know, so if anyone knows, anyway, he was a professional skier. Was he a professional skier? I still, I still firmly believe that that movie originally was supposed to be about how what really happened with Diane Court and uh-huh. Ray Dom. No. <laughs> All right. So again, I want to thank Drew and Sherry for coming on and thank joining us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. And for Podcat for um, calming down, and I know he had a lot of opinions. And uh, thank you, Eric, for listening. Thank you.